Mobile business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Calpine shares are jumping the most in almost two years after the Wall Street Journal says the Houston-based power generator is exploring a sale. Right now, Calpine is up by 14.4%. U.S. equities mix, the Dow down 35, down two-tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials up a point, little change there at 23.98. NASDAQ is at a record, up uh, three points to 61.24, higher by one-tenth of 1%. Gold up almost $3 the ounce to 12.19, up two-tenths of 1%. The 10-year down 3.30 seconds, yield 2.41%. And West Texas Intermediate Crew. 4741 a barrel up a dollar 53 that's a gain of 3.3%. I'm Charlie Pallet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Yes, indeed you are, Charlie. Thank you so much. It is time for the Bloomberg ETF report brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit blackrock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here with the Bloomberg ETF report, Bloomberg's Catherine Cowdery. The first bond ETF has become a $31.5 billion giant. It's the iShares iBox Investment Grade Corporate Bond ETF ticker LQD. Here's Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Eric Belchunas. It was the first ever bond ETF launched in 2000. And you get this impression that it was a hit right away, but it really wasn't. It's been about nine years in oblivion. Belchunas says LQD's path to growth was fueled by the prolonged period of low interest rates, by investors hungry to trade bonds like stocks, and by the shift out of active investments into passive. He adds LQD is a great example of why ETF due diligence is important. It's the most traded uh, corporate bond ETF by far. But here's the thing. It's got a duration, meaning a sensitivity to interest rates of eight years. Just to let you know that if rates were to go up, something like LQD may have more interest rate risk than investors know. Belchuna says another fund, the Vanguard Intermediate Term Corporate Bond ETF, is gaining ground in the corporate bond space. It has a duration of about six years, or 25% less than LQD. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. This is Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. I want that green ammunition. That's a stuff for which I'm wishing. Fill my closets with deposits. I'm a demon at addition. Give me shekels. Give me pesos. Let me see their smiling pesos. Give me money, 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 money. You're in Timber George's right now as Director of Global Macro at Fidelity Investments, which, of course, is based here in Boston. We are live at the... Harvard Innovation Center right now. Um, and, and, and Tim, uh, Adrian, uh, thank you for coming over here. Um, I think that um, uh, we're in a particularly interesting time right now. Uh, when you look at global markets, when you look at global equities, where do you see the biggest sort of advantages from a macro level? Yeah, well, well thank you very much for having me. Um, it was a short drive over today. <laughs> Bike ride. Yeah, I, I see... Um, I see these milestones in the markets as sort of chapters in a book, and I think uh, people tend to focus too much on the chapter that happened on November 8th and not enough on what's happened elsewhere. And about 15 months ago, we had a major inflection point um, in the global economy. It had been sort of a desynchronized mess from 2011 to 2016, and now we're in the synchronized global upturn. And uh, China has, is a, a large player in that whole upturn, and 
you know, we're seeing the numbers. You know, earnings for the for Q1 are up 14% year over year. And so it's been a very good story, and I think that's where, why the markets are, are up. Um, You're talking about earnings in the U.S.? In the U.S. But, but earnings have inflected globally about yeah. 15 months ago. And, of course, in, in, in the rest of the world. You're inflected from shrinking to growing. From shrinking right. to growing. And, and so non-U.S. stocks have actually outperformed for a change. So for me, the biggest macro um, uh, point of view that I have is that non-U.S. equities uh, still look very, very good, even though the U.S. market is sort of edging further into late cycle. Uh, and we're seeing that some of the high-frequency economic indicators like the city economic surprise indices or the ISMs have all sort of peaked. So we're, we're at sort of a peak momentum point in the, in the markets. And, um, and so this is why the markets are sort of treading water a little bit in, in the last yeah. couple of months. I did a little Googling, and you like Europe. I do. How much do you um, like Europe? I like it a lot. So now that the French election is out of the way, and, and by the way, the, 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 the biggest winner of the French election were the, the French polls because they actually got everything right. Uh, but that was the second election where and populism... The is not the actual Polish people in France, no, exactly. just to be clear. Yeah. Um, but we had the Dutch just election uh, a few months earlier, and so populism seems to be somewhat contained in Europe. and Italy? Europe, around uh, the corner? Well, around, uh, in about a year, but yeah. you know, that, that's like dog years uh, for, for, for Italian politics. But, you know, uh, Germany's trading at a 13.6 PE. Europe is trading at around a 14 PE. Earnings are growing as much there as they are in the U.S. And Europe has lagged behind for right. a, a number of years. So I think Europe could be sort of the sleeper hit of 2017. And, and certainly in, in recent weeks, um, the, you know, um, European markets have really caught up to, to the U.S. What's the big risk in this marketplace right now, global marketplace, that maybe investors aren't paying enough attention to? I see two risks. One is that valuations are on the high side in the U.S., not not mm-hmm. outside the U.S. Uh, the U.S. is trading at 18 times forward earnings, 21 times trailing earnings. Non-U.S. equities are at about 14. EM is at 12. Um, but in the U.S., the, the P.E. ratio jumped about two or three points uh, right after the election because investors rightfully – expected earnings to come up, although I think they came up for a, a different reason, and that has to do with this global reflation. Uh, but so now earnings have to grow. The, the market has to grow into its valuation. You know, the 21 trailing PE is, is a little bit high. Right. And as long as the earnings come through, the they'll PE grow will, into it. They'll grow into it. But so a risk would be that somehow the global cycle um, starts to to come off, and then we're left with a too high PE. And on that note, I think the other risk that – I don't think it's necessarily a risk, but it's it's a potential risk. Is that China starts to slow again? You know, China I think is is very much responsible, uh, or is a big part of this global reflation that we've had over the past five quarters. And now you're seeing some tightening signs. They're trying to rein in the shadow banks. I think a large, um, uh, you know, the the, the sharp fall in copper and iron and even oil prices I, I think is is a manifestation of traders betting that China is is slowing again. And if that happens, then the global sort of tailwinds will turn into headwinds But again. won't the Chinese officials, won't the Chinese government make sure it doesn't slow too much? I mean, they're always kind of there as a safety yeah. net. 
Yeah, and, and uh, it's called the Widowmaker trade for a reason. <laughs> You're trying to bet against China because yeah. they right. do control all the levers. Uh, well, and they, including the reporting. So, like, you you talk about a slowdown in China, but we might not see in the official numbers anyway because we'll see G- GDP numbers will be whatever the target's supposed to be, whether the production is, is thus or not. Exactly. And But, you know, our economics team, uh, we have our own version of Chinese <clears throat> GDP. And in 2015, the economy was barely growing. It wasn't yeah. in an outright recession, but it was in a growth recession. Uh, but, but you're right, the official GDP numbers, you know, the leadership there has said we're doubling the economy in 10 years, so therefore 6.5 is your growth rate. That's what you will do. That's what our growth will be next year. <laughs> and, and nobody's going to challenge that over there, of course. So what do you look at, like like electricity, electrical production and things like that? It, it's, it's a variety of industrial indicators, and it looks like China is actually growing ahead of 6.5 right now. It's growing at about 8%. Um, but if they're now reining in their tightening, there, there are a lot of people concerned that it's going to come to uh, a, another premature Eight percent, is it? Uh, by, by some measures, um, it's, it's, uh, they're actually growing, uh, growing ahead of target right now. You're in, uh, we only got about 40 seconds or 30 seconds left here. Does this market remind you of another market environment? Uh, late 90s. Um, late uh, 90s. Yeah, so if you look at this reflation peak in the ISMs after this very prolonged mid-cycle expansion that's been lasting now eight years or so, it looks like kind of the, the 98, 99. Uh, not, not to suggest that we're going to have uh, another bursting of the bubble, but it feels, it feels a little bit like that economically. I was, I was just a kid then. Me too. I was just a kid. I really was just a kid then. Really. You're in. Thank you so much. Thank Come you. back soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're in, Tim He is director of Global Macro at Fidelity Investments, based in Boston, but uh, on site with us at the Harvard Innovation Labs. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Master, Corey Johnson here in Boston. Coming up, we've got the closing bell on Wall Street, and this is Bloomberg. <laughs> 